The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you by Venetour Racing Social. If you are planning a racing trip to Europe or further afield, check out Venetour Racing Social for a large range of bespoke racing holidays at venetour.co.uk. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Welcome to the show. It is great to have your company in association with our good friends at yorkracecourse.co.uk. We want to send three lucky Final Furlong Podcast listeners to the Skybet Ebor Festival. It takes place 23rd to the 26th of August, we want to send you to the Friday, Coolmore Nunthorpe Day. We've got three pairs of county stand badges up for grabs. They normally retail at £75 a ticket, but you can get them at the exclusive Final Furlong Podcast five-finger discount of free 99 Three tickets to be won, plus one of our three winners will also get their hands on a £50 one-for-all digital gift card. So three individual winners of a pair of tickets for county stand badges for Coolmore Nunthorpe Day. They go for 75 quid a pop, and one of those three will also get a £50 one-for-all gift card. How do you win? What's the question? There isn't one, because you can just Google the answer. Although I'm sure you would know the answer. But instead, we just want to prove that you are a loyal Final Furlong Podcast listener. So just send us a screenshot of you subscribed or following the Final Furlong Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever it is that you listen to the Final Furlong Podcast, send us a screenshot of that on Twitter or X. Is it tweet us on X? At Radio Emmet, at Final Furlong Pod. You can DM your entries there as well. My DMs are open. You can DM us on the Final Furlong Podcast Facebook page. I'm on Instagram. Or if you're not on social media, or if you just rather not enter on social media, have no fear. You can email your entries. It's all one word. Radio Emmet, E-M-M-E-T, Radio Emmet at gmail.com. And at least one of our winners will come through email. Trish is going to pick the winners on Monday week. Is that right? So get your entries in now. It's courtesy of ourselves and yorkracecourse.co. Dot UK. Enter now and best of luck. Let's get stuck into the key races and horses from the last few days, and we will do so in the company of a man who has become so dedicated to the world of racehorse punditry that he won't miss a show for anything. Not even if his car gets wiped out by a horse box. It's Louis Stewart. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Emmett. Good to be back and uh, good to be in one piece. How does getting thrown from a horse in the gallops compare to being T-boned in a car wreck? I'd say they're uncomparable on different levels, but um, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. I can I can assure you that. Most important thing, you're okay. I'm safe. I'm okay. Just a bit jittery. Yeah, that's going to last with you for a little bit, but eventually you'll just be roaring at slow drivers in front of you again, like I do. But oh man, um, feeling for you. Feeling for that car too. Oh. <laughs> key races from Glorious Goodwood, beginning with the Qatar Sussex Stakes. It was run on soft ground. It wasn't the strongest renewal of the Sussex Stakes ever, but we did have the high-class Paddington, and the horse that he beat in the St. James's Palace Stakes, Caldine, the horse I like a lot, bombed out on his next start in France. The horse he beat in the Coral Eclipse, Emily Upjohn, bombs out in the King George. That might be a complete coincidence with those two horses, or maybe he broke them. But he didn't break himself because he keeps up the winning run back down in distance, any ground, any trip. He's just versatile, classy, and at this point, brilliant, Louis. Yeah, Emma, he wears his, his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? He's he's come through the ranks and basically showed no chinks in his armour so far. He's done it on all types of ground and, and now over 10 and, and 8 furlongs, which is very hard to do especially at this um high level obviously the the ground that day at goodwood was um was very soft but it kind of all went to plan for for ryan and, and aiden i thought it was a, a very simple ride he kept it um as simple as he could and basically the best horse won on the day so they're now talking about the jumpmont international which is shaping up to be an absolute blockbuster of a race Desert Crown, I'll believe it when I see it, quite frankly. But they're saying he's going to go there. Uh, obviously, Mostadaf, the Europe's highest rated racehorse, second highest rated horse in the world. And King of Steel, who you were saying just last week that you would love to see back down to 10 furlongs. Uh, that appears to be the plan from Roger Varian. They're heading to the Judmont. That is potentially a sensational renewal, and he's already favoured for it. Yeah, definitely. And and a lot of people would be going into, I guess, if he does run in the Judgment International, going into this thinking that he's had a lot of runs this year. But 
he seems a horse that, like Ryan said in, in many interviews after he won the Sussex Stakes, that he's thriving on racing. And obviously he's under the, the wings of a, a master trainer, so he would know him better than we would. But I'm sure the horse is, is telling him he's in, in fine fettle, hence why the plans are to go for the Judgment International. And for me, it looks like the, the perfect spot for him. Uh, a track like York, where you have to have a high cruising speed, good gate speed, and um, just... Uh, you know, it's a track where speed probably counts for a lot. And um, the fact he managed to have a, enough stamina to win at Sandown uh, in a stiff finish, I think his speed should come to the fore here in the in the Judgment International. I'm not sure the weight for age allowance would make much of a difference, but it is something that's going to be an asset for him. I, I know Mostadaf was really impressive at Royal Ascot, and that was visually very taking. But that form is absolutely questionable. Um, first of all, wide margin winners at Ascot can be a thing. Secondly, Adair gets turned over on his next start and has to be retired subsequently in a three-runner race when he was long odds on shot. Classic Causeway, you could argue, well, he wouldn't really have much of a business in winning group races over here, uh, and he'd forced a pretty suicidal gallop uh, and then did the exact same thing when you and I were on air together on Racing Live on TalkSport 2, so maybe he doesn't count. But my Prospero certainly does, and he got put in his place. And Luxembourg... You know, Luxembourg's a good horse. He's not an elite Group 1 horse, though. Uh, he's just, he's a good Group 1 horse, and he got pretty well held in the King George. So I'm not sure about that Mostada form uh, at all. This is a long-winded way of me saying, I don't see anything to beat him if he turns up on top form. Yeah, sure. I mean, you could look at it that this is probably going to be Paddington's toughest test so far, going on form, obviously having a, a Derby winner in the race, hopefully. And he'll, he'll again have to step up his game. But but like we've all seen so far, there, there's no chinks that I can see that's kind of going to put me off him going into the Judgment International. I think he's all class. And I do believe, like you said, Emmett, I know the weight allowance probably, you know, is, is questionable and, you know, whether he, he benefits enough from it or not. But I think this time of year around August, um, it, it, it will help him slightly. Not, not saying it's going to be the be-all and end-all whether he wins or not, but it, it will be in his favour to some extent. He hasn't even been racing for a year. He only made his debut on the 2nd of September where he didn't even look like he identified as a racehorse that day. Um, that was a race we were covering live on TalkSport 2 with Lee McKenzie. And I just I remember that vividly because he was just all at sea at Ascot. And he's just been different gravy ever since. Uh, it's now eight runs, seven consecutive wins, five in stakes level, four consecutive group ones. There just doesn't seem to be any stopping him. Um, so the question is, if he comes through the Judgment International test, and Aidan O'Brien gave a really lengthy interview to Lydia Hislop, which was really informative on racing TV, um, the big takeaway is there isn't a hope in hell of this guy remaining in training at the end of the season. As much as we would love to see Paddington come back as a four-year-old, ain't no way that's happening. This, this fellow's going to be packed off to stud at Coolmore. So we need to enjoy him as much as we can. And that Judmont International, the world's highest rated race, that's going to be huge. But where do you go after that? So Aiden mentioned the possibility of the Cox Plate. I don't think he really mentioned the Breeders' Cup Classic, but that has to come into the equation. Although, and I'm, I apologize, I do not have your name, but somebody tweeted me, some kind citizen tweeted me to say the last Monju line horse uh, from the turf to run in the Breeders' Cup Classic was Fame and Glory, who ended up running in a Gold Cup. Now, if ever there was a horse not suited to a Breeders' Cup Classic, it was him. Um, I Paddington is not a Fame and Glory. Like He was good enough to be second in Group 1 races over 10 furlongs, um, particularly the he was placed in the champion stakes. Um, but, you know, he was a stare. Like, he was a Gold Cup winner in the end. Uh, that's not what Paddington is. Paddington is an out-and-out elite Group one winner. And I could see them going for that. Like if he was to win, even run well in the classic, but particularly if he ran, if he won the Breeders' Cup Classic, he's going to be in demand at stud. They're going to be queuing up to send their mares to him. But if he wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, we're talking monopoly money. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't really um affect his form, I don't think. If he goes to the Breeders' Cup Classic and and does get turned over, I, I think he's done enough now 
to cement himself as a, as a top-class stallion. So they've got nothing to lose going for that race. That would be the route I would go down. I, I truly believe that this horse's gait speed and the way he travels throughout his races, he just puts himself in a, in a very winnable position throughout a race. And I think going to America, that is going to be um, a strength of his going forward if, if they decide to take that route. And, and for me, that would be the, the one I would I would be aiming more towards. Trish has put something on my screen to correct the record. It wasn't the Breeders' Cup Classic he ran in. It was that he ran in, in a group race on dirt. Is that it? I'm sure I was tweeted that he did run in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And of course he didn't. Um, but it, irrespective, the point remains that it didn't. It, he, he pulled up on dirt and so it didn't really work for him. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. This is, this is something Coolmore have done in the past. You know, Giants Causeway obviously went super close, agonizingly close to winning it, but Galileo bombed out in, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, so did Hawkwing, so did Churchill. You just kind of roll the dice, because if they don't do it, obviously what happened to George Washington was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but that was more to do with the surface on the night just being completely washed away, and the conditions at Monmouth Park, which were just not right at all. Um, but if he runs a declaration of war type race for example, like that enhances his stud prospects immediately. And if he doesn't handle it, you just say, oh, he didn't handle the dirt. What can you do? You know, we gave it a go, but he loses nothing in defeat. And it's not, there's no flight line this year. You know, Cody's wish got turned over at the weekend and he got turned over, I thought, pretty fair and square watching it back in the replay. Um, I I say go for it. Uh, I know there's plenty of people who will completely disagree with that, but live the dream. Go for it. Um, I do not think he'll be going to ask it on Champions Day, and I really like that meeting, but the Champions Stakes just tends to be an afterthought for Coolmore. Um, so which one is more likely, the ARC or the Breeders' Cup Classic? Or is it possible, given his constitution, that they would just roll him on Jumont International, Irish Champion Stakes, ARC and Classic? Oh, that's, that's, that's a brave move to make. Is that a bit too greedy? Yeah, that's. I think that's very optimistic. <laughs> I'll have three legs by the end of it. <laughs> I still maintain August Rodin is most likely to be ending up in the in the in the Arc. I think that's the and I, you know for all that the Arc is Europe's most prestigious race, and it is and it is a stallion making race. It's just it's not that for the commercial breeders as it as it used to be. Um, I think if, if he wins that, he becomes an absolute legend, particularly if he's added the Judmont and the Irish champion to his CV in, in between. But I suspect that August Rodin will be the, the main player for the arc and then Breeders' Cup turf probably. Um, and for Paddington, yeah, keep him to the 10 rolling races. Uh, those in behind, the French horse ran a blinder. Yeah, definitely. Obviously got knocked about a bit at the start, but travelled into the race very well. I mean, a lot of people would have probably said he, he looked the winner a furlong and a half out, but I just think Paddington's attitude, like I said on TalkSport 2 um, on the, the day of the Sussex Stakes when, when I was on air live, that I don't think he was going to be flashy that day in that ground. I think he just wears his heart on his sleeve and his class will always come to the fore and he, he he's willing to dig deep and put up a fight so i i imagined the race to pan out the way it did factor cheval is is nowhere near as good as as paddington as a horse but ran a huge race fair play to to the french for coming over and trying i think their racing is really coming to the fore now and they've got some high class horses in their armory so um yeah he deserves to be second in the on on what he'd done so far and it was good for him to step up to the plate yeah, he was a bit of a thorn on my side because I had the forecast with Charon. Um, so the, oh. the cheese-eating surrender monkey had to come along and spoil the party. Uh, Charon's run well, though. He had it in him to be able to go and, and do that, but he, he has run quite a nice race. I'm sure the Varian team will be uh, trying to aim something for I don't think he's going to win a Group 1 on, unless it's on the international stage, but there's definitely a group race in him. Yeah, sure. Like He's a... He's a horse that won a group two as a two-year-old. And, and to be fair, he's been aimed at, at very high targets ever since. So fair play to the to the varying team for, for I guess, aiming him at these sort of races and kind of throwing darts at the wall. But he was never really going to be good enough. I think the ground probably benefited him in, into him finishing um, in a place position. But he's a, he's a, I guess, a genuine horse, isn't he? And he, he seems to turn up and, and run his race every time in these in these races that are so hard to win now. So um, this horse has done nothing wrong. He's just competing at a very high level and, and it's very hard to to win these races. Would you forgive the run from Inspiral based on the ground? 
Yeah, I would, but she, she's a mare where I think she's. I just don't trust her. Yeah. I think like with with these mares, they can hit purple patches at certain times of the year. I remember last year, uh, John Gosden was saying that she hadn't come in her coat, and it took a long time for her to kind of blossom. and And she might just be a filly where she is more than good enough to to win Group Ones of the scene over the past. But I think you've just got to get her at the right time, and she's got to be in fine fettle and and definitely. I guess in, in the frame of mind to win a race because she is good enough. It's just I, I don't trust I don't trust her enough to to kind of go with her every time she's going to compete in these big races. Yeah, I agree. There's she can pop up in another Group One, but that defeat in the Falmouth Stakes just ooh, that leaves a bitter taste. Um, yeah, seven to one on getting turned over. She just she's capable of a massive run like in the Queen Anne. Um, but I, I think she she is vulnerable. Uh, just very briefly, Nostrum, they went the Baid route with him in terms of his three-year-old career, going for the easier race, and there's plenty of people, including our colleague Lee McKenzie, uh, who were pretty taken with his run and, and are of the view that he'll turn things around the next day. I don't see it personally. Uh, I think there that is a... I think my line on TalkSport 2 was that is a horse who has just been exposed for what he is. Um, he was beaten fair and square in the Dewhurst, He's been beaten fair and square at the weekend. Uh, I don't see it with him going forward, personally. Yeah, obviously, like he—he he is a very good horse, isn't he? I—I I would be in the same kind of thought process as you. I—I I don't think he's going to reach the heights we maybe thought of of him early on. But th- there's nothing to say that he can't compete in these races and, and run very well. I mean, look, who, who's to say he won't pop up somewhere down the line? And, and Sir Michael's so good at improving these horses over over time. So he, he could be, by looking at him, obviously he's by Kingman. He looks like a big, scopy horse. He may just come to, to form maybe next year rather than this year. I'd, I don't know. But he, he's not one that I look at and think he's going he's gonna to reach the stars. Yeah, I don't think so. Then again, that's exactly what I thought about Expert Eye. Yeah, <laughs> he came back to and look slap, what he done. He slapped me right in the face. He uh, might go to the Breeders' Cup though, maybe Nostrum. Yeah, I would think so. I would say Breeders' Cup Mile would be the main aim for him. And and look, that that's not going to be a great race on on paper. Like I I very much doubt that's what they'll do with Paddington. I think if he does go to the Breeders' Cup, it'll be. I'm pretty sure Coolmore have gone cold on that race in terms of their elite horses. I don't think they'll run a Rocket Gibraltar in that anymore. Um, I'm not sure that there's a real upside to that. I, I think when they go to the Breeders' Cup, it's to try to win with a Luxembourg in the Breeders' Cup turf, for example. Pretty certain he'll possibly join Auguste Rodin, but I'd be very certain he'll run in the turf. Um, they'll have something else for the mile as well, like an Order of Australia type. He's been sold now. Um, but I, I don't see a Paddington running there. Uh, so maybe... American racing, the tight turns, the fast pace, the better ground, maybe that will all combine to help Nostrum on the day. But Do you, do you think he's a 10 furlong horse or not? Because it was interesting, Sir Michael said after he won at Newmarket that 10 furlongs would be well within his reach, but then we see him obviously still over a mile on soft ground. I mean, if you look for his form, he's won on good to firm ground, good ground, and good to firm ground. So maybe he's just a horse that's going to thrive a bit more with tighter conditions under his feet, but... I, I, I don't know. I expected him to win at Goodwood and, and he didn't. Whether a step up and trip for me is the right thing to do, I, I don't obviously know the horse from, from Adams, but I, I think he's probably got a bit too much speed for, for 10. I could be wrong, but that's just my thought. Isn't he related Isn't he related to horses who've won over a mile four? And I think there might be a two-miler in there as well. But the he's down vast... one over a mile and a quarter. Yeah, she did, but I think he's related to horses who won over a mile four and, and I think one of them might just it's off the top of my head just in researching him for, for the day I think there might be a two miler in there too but I'm pretty certain the vast majority of his siblings were seven furlong horses uh, and I would say he shows plenty of like he's a beautiful looking horse he's a he would take your eye out uh, and he's clearly a big strapping scopy sort of horse like he's a beautiful horse to, to look at I imagine he's an incredible workhorse in the morning He's just yeah. the type of fellow that's catching pigeons on the gallops. Just maybe I'm being really harsh on him on the basis of two runs. Uh, and Sir Michael Stout does not have a good record in the Dewhurst Stakes. To be fair, many, including Expert Eye, uh, have been turned over there and then and then turned out to be really good afterwards. I just think the fact that he was beaten 
in that race, kind of found out on the day, and that, that race has worked out all right. Um, you know, a Guinea's winner came out of it, but it's not like Caldine has done a whole lot since. Although probably had excuses, almost certainly had excuses in France uh, on his most recent start. Um, I wouldn't be jumping him to 10 furlongs. I'd be sticking at a mile for now. Maybe next year you'd be looking at, at that distance. I, I just think, I think there's excuses now coming out about him. And I'm not so sure that I'm buying them. Uh, the Al Shakab Goodwood Cup Stakes. Speaking of excuses, a year after Quickthorne stole a lead and nicked the Lonsdale Cup. They've only gone and done it again. Uh, look, I, I, there's plenty of debate about this. Like, there's plenty of people who want to just scold your former weighing room colleagues and close personal friends and say, what the hell were they doing? I may very well be one of those people. Um, by the time we, we finish this, I might be on their side. I might be getting stuck into all of them. Um, but there are plenty of people who will then argue as well that, oh, he's gone off at such a lightning pace that they couldn't lay up with him early on. Quickthorn is not a Gold Cup winner, and he's not a horse that you're dropping back uh, to run in a July Cup. He's not a machine. He's just a very good horse. And for some bizarre reason, they've gone off and let him have that easy lead again. And Louis, I don't understand. I do not understand how none of them in behind looked up and went, oh, wait, he did this last year. Tom Marquand did the exact same thing last year, Better not let him have an easy lead. And they just all sat back and let him go and do it again. Yeah, it was a ride of the year for me, Emma. I was, I, I just thought he rode an absolute masterclass on this horse. And, and I said on TalkSport of the day of this race that whoever wins is going to be a true test of stamina because Quickthorn's going to go off like a scolded cat. And and he did. And the, the thing with Goodwood, Emma, obviously he'd done it at York, Quickthorn, when, when he won. And, and went off like that. But Goodwood, there's not many places where you can actually make ground up. You can't make ground up when you're turning around a bend, especially on slow ground. So from a jockey's point of view, the fact he stole 16 lengths at halfway, th- they were basically in no man's land. A lot of people were slagging O'Sheen off, saying that he just sat there and kind of let the race unfold. But I, I think he just had to accept defeat by that point because there was actually no point in the race apart from when you turn in round the home bend and you've got four and a half furlongs to actually make ground up. You what in what part of that race could you have actually said, right, we're gonna we're gonna try and catch him now? You can't because you, you're going uphill, downhill, round a bend, left, right. It's it was just a, a very good ride and a horse that probably on ability shouldn't have won, but did win due to the circumstances, and it was an absolute masterclass. It was a superb ride, and he would do it again on the Saturday. Which yeah. is- which is just hilarious. I mean, it's basically, it's it's Tom Marquand's world and every other jockey's just living in it when it comes to, to Goodwood. Um, but I think that, I think fans and betters are perfectly entitled to go, what the hell were you doing? And I wouldn't, be, sing- I wouldn't be singling out Oshin. I'd be having a go at the whole lot of them. Like, the ground that Emily Dickinson makes up is extraordinary. Um, but it's too late. Game's over. But Quickthorn is already in the winner's enclosure by the time she's coming flying uh, down the pack. Yeah. And I felt really sorry for her because there's clearly a nice race in her. Like, there's clearly a group one in her. She's run a blinder in the Gold Cup. She's dropped back in distance at the Curra and, and done it quite nicely. This was a really good opportunity for her. And Marquand's just ridden them all to sleep. Yeah, it just it wasn't... I mean, you can't look at the results here and, and kind of dissect it too much because it was a one horse race wasn't it due to tactics so emily dickinson ran ran a blinder because she was at the back of the pack for for a long way and and ryan from that from that position like i say it's very hard to make ground up there he was basically having to sit and suffer until he got out in the clear up the home straight to actually make a move so it was i mean you can't go out there and blame anyone but it was just bad judgment from from all the rest in behind yeah, I'm surprised Broom didn't try and put some pressure on Quickthorn. Just, I thought he was going to, though, didn't you? I really did. Yeah, I thought Buick was going to go up and try and hassle Marquand and just go, look, you're, you're not having an easy lead here. You're, you're not going to have things all your own way. But he was riding his own race by the looks of things, and it just it did not work at all. Um, yeah. For all that we can kind of excuse this performance in terms of the other jockeys and, and the other horses, 
Um, it is somewhat disappointing that this is the second time Elder, Alder, Elder Alderov, even to use my mouth words, oh my goodness, mouth words have derailed terribly. <laughs> to use my mouth words correctly, Elder Alderov has been put in his place now twice at Group 1 level in, in staying races, and he just had so much promise coming into the start of the season. Like, he drifted like a barge uh, at York and still ran an absolute blinder, but he's been beaten 10.5 lengths in the Gold Cup. And now he's been beaten six and a quarter lengths against Quickthorn. So do you forgive him that? Do you give him another chance? Or is there a major question mark hanging over him? I don't know, because I have a sneaky feeling that I, I just want to keep following him. Because I, I just feel like the variant team was so strong of, of King, is, King of Steel's um, chances in, in the derby. They obviously know what they're doing. And this was a horse, like you say, Emmett, with a lot of promise early doors. A St. Ledger winner. And the fact he's still getting tried at these races, I just have a sneaky feeling that he still could be a very good horse. Whatever's wrong with him, I, I don't know. But I, I'm I'm just going to hang in there for a bit longer. Yeah, I'm not so sure that I'm with you. But... I'm not saying I'm going to back him, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Yeah, I, I'd be like that. And that's going to make me feel like a right dum-dum if he does go and absolutely bolt up the next day. Yeah. Um, courage, mon ami. Yeah, Courage Monami. It's just hard to say anything about these horses, isn't it? Because he was the, the horse coming into this race that had the world at his feet, and I, I still believe he does. I just think I, I, there's only so much you can say on how the race developed because it was just a, a no-show from a lot of them, and, and no one got a fair crack of the whip. So it was just pun intended there. Uh, it was just <laughs> it was just one of them, wasn't it, Emmett? Like, you can't. You just have to forgive a lot of them, don't you? Yeah, you do. You don't really it's want got to. Be a good horse. You don't really want to, but you you do have to. And look, he's as you said, he has to be a very good horse. He's won a Gold Cup. Um, you don't do that by fluke. Quick mention to the sponsor of today's episode, Venator Racing Social. They are the name to trust when thinking of attending horse racing abroad. The aim at Venator Racing Social is to make the world of horse racing more accessible, giving you access to horse racing holidays all over the world, ranging from the prestigious world-renowned festivals to the more unique but equally exciting race courses across the globe. At Venator Racing Social, they pride themselves on offering a bespoke service to all their clients, guaranteeing each and every customer an unforgettable horse racing experience with that personal touch. The team of dedicated racing and travel professionals have traveled the world attending race meetings and sporting events, endeavoring to bring their knowledge and experience to every package, thus giving you peace of mind that you'll be looked after every step of the way along with having access to the best restaurants and hospitality at each racecourse. Venator's huge range of horse racing holidays capture the imagination of racecores, syndicate members, and owners groups alike. So whether you're looking for a five-star gravy train with bells on luxury holiday or a more affordable trip, Venator Racing Social have all the options for everyone, including Irish Champions Weekend, the Arc de Triomphe Weekend, a Vienna weekend tour, which is something I'm hoping to go on. It's not really a racing trip. It's more of an equine trip. Incorporates a show and behind-the-scenes private tour of the Spanish Riding School and visits to the exquisite Christmas markets in Vienna. We fly out on Friday the 24th of November that morning. We fly back on Monday the 27th of November. And it sounds like it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant weekend. I'm really looking forward to that. Next year, they've got the Dublin Racing Festival covered, the St. Moritz White Turf Package. That would be magic. Uh, Cheltenham Festival, of course, and the Dubai World Cup. Now, is 2024 finally the year that I make it to Dubai and get to the Dubai World Cup? I know you're so anxious about that. That is your priority. Is Kennedy going to get to the Dubai World Cup? I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully next year is finally the year that I go. And who knows, maybe you will be there alongside me. Find out more at venator.co.uk. That's V-E-N-A-T-O-U-R.co.uk. Get a list at the full racing packages and indeed various different sporting packages as well. There's bespoke Formula One packages, rugby trips, cricket trips. But for us, it's all about the racing. You can check it all out at venator.co.uk. Tell them the final Forlorn Podcast sent you. All right, back to the show. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. 
Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Feature race on the Thursday was the Qatar NASA Stakes. Um, I'm pretty certain I was fairly adamant on TalkSport 2 that, well, Al Hassan is not going to win this race. Wah, wah, wah. Humble mm. pie uh, given to me straight away. A terrific ride from Jim Crowley. Brilliant ride from Ryan Moore. Crowley kept it simple. Ryan rode an exhibition race from the front. Really deserved to win, uh, given how well above the curve handled Goodwood and the ride that she was given shutting the door on La Metra. Welcome to Goodwood, son. Um, let's deal with Blue Rose End, first of all. How unlucky, or was she unlucky? Because it's not like she's a fast-finishing second at the end. I think she was unlucky. I think it's... It's very hard at Goodwood to get stopped in your tracks and then somehow have a change of gear and, and go and chase the leaders down. She's a horse that in the past has gone forward and, and ridden very positively from the gates. She didn't get to do that at Goodwood. Uh, I mean, it was it was nail-biting stuff to watch. I, I did feel sorry for her. She's obviously a, a very good mare. She's going to have her day in the sun again. I, I just think tactics and the way this track is... We, we were going to see this all week, really, weren't we? And, and someone at the highest level was, was going to get a taste of, of getting boxed in at, at some point. And like you say, Ryan Moore is absolutely deadly out in front. And there was no way in hell he was letting someone come down his inside. So, yeah, tactics could have just played a big part in, in her finishing position here today. And, and she didn't get, um, she didn't get a, a true run, run race for, for herself, unfortunately. Lemetra has ridden her on all 10 of her starts to date, including winning two classics on her. So I don't have any problem with him riding the horse. What the hell is he doing trying to go up the inside of Ryan Moore at Goodwood? I know he doesn't have experience at that track, but why would you try and go up the inside of Ryan Moore anywhere? Well, you wouldn't. But what made it worse was basically Al Husson had the run of the race, just followed, followed Ryan and could basically kick when, when Jim wanted to. Jim held on to her for quite a long time, keeping the gap even tighter. And then as we see, Holly arrived on the scene with a furlong and a half to run to, to basically deny all access of, of Blue Rose Sen getting a run. So it was kind of a domino effect and Blue Rose Sen, the way the other two travelled into the race, was was in no man's land. Basically, she was never going to get out from where she was due to the way that Nashua was quickening and, and Al Husson was just travelling on the bridle and, and looked like the winner, I thought, from from a furlong and a half out. A uh, huge fan of Holly Doyle. I think she's a terrific jockey. I think she's one of the best jockeys in Europe. This was not her finest hour. Uh, I, I no. Know, I know that Nashua has dwelt at the start, but she's poorly positioned throughout. And I watched the race back afterwards and Rupert Bell and Lizzie were doing the commentary for us on TalkSport 2. Um, Simon Holt's commentary is here comes Holly because she is exploding into the race it's it's too late you're asking the horse to make up an awful lot of ground and expend a lot of energy to get to above the curve who's had the run of the race out in front and given a brilliant ride by Ryan and Jim is just in the perfect position on Al Hussein she was asking a lot of her I, I think Nashua is the best horse in this field yeah I agree I think I think what happened with Holly was Ryan dictated at a steady pace early on and he quickened from three furlongs out. Not only were the front two quickening, Holly's trying to come from three lengths off them and, and quicken against high-class mares. You, you just can't, you can't do it. It's not physically possible. If they'd have gone harder and the race would have fallen apart with two furlongs to run, yes, maybe Nashua would have won. But it looked like Holly intentionally wanted to ride her that way. So they were obviously the tactics she went out with and, and thought were going to work. But I, I do think, like me and you, Emma, Holly would probably think that if she, she could run the race again, that it, it, it would have probably panned out a bit different. But it was all really due to the fact that Ryan went steady and, and quickened off the front end. And Nashua had to quicken and make ground up, which is very hard to do. Yeah, it, at all the criticism that was being handed out to Lemaitre, and he was rightly being bashed, I, I thought, you can't just have a pop at the Frenchie and then not say anything about Holly I, again. Huge admirer of hers. She's a fantastic jockey. Yeah. That was not good. It just wasn't good at all. I I said on the air uh, immediately after the race, run that race 10 times and you'll get various different results. 
Um, yeah. uh, there's, there's definitely, uh, we were both in agreement that Nash was the best horse in the race. There's definitely scenarios where she wins. There's definitely a scenario where Above the Curve manages to hold on. Uh, and there's definitely a scenario where Blue Rose End gets there. Any one of those four could win that race in a different running. They're, they're all very high-class mares, aren't they? And, and I think it was obviously a kind of false run race, but the the four you wanted to see in the four were were in that position. So it kind of all stacked up that we see the right horses in, in the right, not the right order, but we see the right horses in, in the first four. So going forward, if they take each other on again, which I'm sure they all will, it, it could throw up a, a different result for sure. And shout out to Jack Shannon. First season as a trainer, I got to interview him for TalkSport a couple of months ago. He's trained Canafrin to be fourth in a 1,000 guineas, third in an Oaks, sixth at Royal Ascot against the boys when arguably things didn't go to plan for her. And then she's only beaten two and three quarter lengths in a group one at Goodwood. Like, yeah, I I actually beat her at Yarmouth on a horse called Wahodge of Patrick Owens. And Safi Osborne said to me that day, they, they thought a lot of this filly, she just needed a bit of time to develop and, and kind of strengthen up. And I remember seeing her down at the start, she was very narrow and, and lean and obviously just still immature. But but Safi was very keen on her chances that day. And um, it, it's it's obviously paid off, isn't it? She, she just developed into a, a very good filly and fair play to them for, for running in these races because she's basically earned herself a lot of money now going as, as a broodmare going forwards. Yeah, very much so. Um, and she's enhanced her reputation. She, she's got great black type. She's got 144 grand in prize money. And Jack's first season in training, 605,000 in prize money. It's, yeah, it's terrific. Play. And won the big race on, on Friday, uh, the Carl yeah. Golden Mile, which, by the way, you can't win that race unless you're drawn low. But somehow, friend of the show, Aidan O'Hara, at Longshot... Longshot Value? Is it Trish? Is it Longshot Value? At long, whatever it is. Basically, the goat of tipping on Twitter uh, somehow manages to put up Johan well in advance, uh, puts the horse up confidently, is then on holidays in Venice and is on one of the gondolas watching it on his phone as Johan goes and wins. Just take take a boo, Take a bow. From 18, not a hope, Aiden, goes and wins. Just whatever that man tips, just back it blindly. It's unbelievable what he's doing. He is the best free tipster in the business. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever about that. And there's nothing flukish about him. 150 to one minute Royal Ascot, followed by 50 to one, 40 to one, 20 to one minutes. He keeps banging him in. It's unbelievable. Right. Uh, King George Qatar stakes goes to Highfield Princess. She was heavily backed towards the off. Uh, nine to four on. It's a drop in class. She had the, the class to, to win it. She had the racing to go and win it. And in the end, Louis, it's pretty simple for her. Yeah, she was kind of the, the banker of the week, really, wasn't she, on on that ground? We talk about this sprint division being maybe a bit underwhelming and, and not, I guess, as high class as it has been over the years. But this filly, very much like Paddington, used to win handicaps off 56. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's unheard of. It's extraordinary. But, but, but like Emma, to, to do it as a sprinter as well, we all know how in and out of form sprinters can go. Yeah. She has not missed a beat, has she? Especially mayor sprinters. Every challenge. Yeah. Like she is amazing. I mean, credit to to everyone that's involved in that uh mayor cuz she's just wonderful and and it's it's so nice to see her keep producing it at the I know it was a group 2, wasn't it? Not a group 1, but we know she's good enough to win group 1s as she hasn't in the past, but just, just fair play. She is she is class and she's put all the haters to bed a long time ago by just keep creeping up the ranks and keep putting her best foot forward. She won a Royal Ascot handicap off a mark of 92. She must have been a solid moral that day. Never mind being whatever she was, 56 or 58, um, before that, a year before that. It's it's extraordinary. And she just keeps coming back. Like Those, those two runs at Royal Ascot this year were blinders. And I don't agree, but Gerlines was pretty adamant on Look on Sunday that Brad Sell should have been taken down and she should have got the race in the King Stand. I don't agree with that at all, but that was no. that was his impression of it. And, and listen, I, I respect Ger greatly. Um, and then she turns out five days later and runs an absolute blinder in, in the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. So she's... But not- 
Not only this, sorry. She she first her second run was over a mile. She's one over seven, six, and five on every type of ground. I mean that it's unheard of what she's doing. It's phenomenal. Even when she was beaten at the Breeders' Cup, she wasn't beaten far. And no. ter- turns out, beaten by a bit of a sprint superstar. Um, so they've had some run with her, like uh, Group Ones in France, uh, York Ebor meeting, Irish Champions Weekend, trip to the Breeders' Cup. Two races at Royal Ascot, a Royal Ascot win and handicap company prior to that, and now uh, a big win at, at Glorious Goodwood. It wasn't a Group One, but it was really impressive. Um, where she goes next, uh, presumably Coolmore Nunthorpe Stakes. Uh, yeah, she will go for. You'd imagine she'll win that. You'd imagine she'll win the Flying Five at the Curra again as well. Yeah, I mean the, the Nunthorpe would be the Nunthorpe's always tricky, isn't it? I I never liked two year olds in that race, but. I mean, we, we could be proved wrong with the, the Mick Appleby horse, uh, which his name was, sorry, what, what? Oh, God. Go on. Uh, Blue and red colours. Uh, why is my head gone? One at the, one at Glorious Goodwood. Yeah. Big Evs. Big Evs, that's it, yeah. It's still not on um, the screen, by the way. That came to my yeah. mind. He says, looking for praise as a broadcaster in the racing world. Dearie me, that should have come to both of us straight away. Sorry, we should must have. do better. We must do better. Apologies. But that's going to be an exciting race, the, the Nunthorpe this year. I think if, if Highfield Princess takes her chance and, and Big Evs, it's going to be, um, there's going to be plenty of depth in it. Yeah, and by the way, Statuette is still in this. I'm, I'm pretty certain Statuette has been taken out of training. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I'm pretty certain she has been taken out of training, which is a real shame, but we'll we'll see. Uh, but our old close personal friend, Little Big Bear, is in there. And something weird happened with him. Um, they supplemented him for the pre-Maurice de Geest, and then 24 hours later, he's out of the race with a stone bruise. But it shows their intent to keep going with him. Um, I was very much of the opinion that might very well be the last time we see him when he was beaten in the July Cup. Uh, and you would imagine they would want to run in their race, but... Does he have the speed for five furlongs in Group 1 company? Maybe, maybe. We shall see. Um, it's more so about the rematch between Bradsell and Highfield Princess. Uh, I'd be pretty adamant that she will come out on top, of it, at least in that rematch. I think she'll win, but I think she'll yeah. definitely come out on top of the rematch. Yeah, you, you could make a case for both of them, but Highfield Princess just, just I mean, she's just so reliable. I, I really like her, and I, I can't fault her, I think. I, I just look at her and think she's so uncomplicated and, and gives her all every time. The way she travelled in, into the race on the weekend at, at Goodwood was oh, it's breathtaking, wasn't it? She just cruise control, wasn't it? Autopilot. Yeah, yeah it was really, really good. Um, I had a bet in the Arc Primaurice de Geest and managed to get a place with St. Lawrence, um, who was prob- not probably, was definitely unlucky. Uh, not Holly's fault at all. Um, this one I would defend her all day on. Uh, she has to hold the horse up, and just as she wants to go and make her move, bang, door closes, and bang, it closes again. Uh, but she stays on powerfully on St. Lawrence. Um, the Sky folks were saying Spycatcher had won, and it was actually King Gold uh, who had got up. Apparently this trainer uh, really enjoyed the the winning interview with the a French presenter on Sky Sports Racing afterwards. Apparently he's a bit of a rock and roller, Louis. Uh, has his own band. Mm. Says life's too short. Just go out and enjoy it. So uh, the Kennedy and Stewart experience is coming very, very soon as we bang out all your favorite karaoke Oasis hits. Don't worry. We will spare you that indignity. That ain't happening unless we're both blind drunk at York. Um, but liked how game King Gold was. You mentioned how French racing is having a real renaissance. It very much is we were British and Irish horses were dominating French racing last year. That is not the case at all this season. Uh, they have roared back with a vengeance in at all levels in their races. Yeah, definitely. And this was a horse that was coming into the race in form, one of the seven furlongs last time out, a group three beating Garris of, of Charlie Hills's. So there was a, there was a case to say that he was, he was going to be bang there and, and in the mix. I thought spy catcher was, was just so tough and, and game. Yeah. And and didn't lie down. I was interested why Clifford Lee picked Told Case over Spycatcher. He won on Spycatcher last time out. And I just, I don't want to put any speculation out there, but my views on it is, I, I don't know, but is um, 
Shaker Bade maybe looking towards Clifford Lee to, to be a stable jockey in, in the near future? I, I don't know, but it was just interesting why he, he picked that horse over Spycatcher. Well, also, he is, how do I word this politely? I don't really care. Um, not somebody you'd want to get on the wrong side of. Mm. Like, Luca Kamani, I don't think, did anything wrong, and every single horse got pulled from him. Um, yeah. So just, just not. Maybe you're just better off to just side with him in, in these instances. But I, I noted that as well. I mean, look, Spycatcher was sent off favorite in France. Uh, never mind on this side of um, of the French of the French Sea, uh, and was absolutely never mind on this side of the English Channel, and was very much um, favorite on on this side as well. So it was odd that he sided with Cold Case. I think that's a really good explanation. I thought Spycatcher was up, by the way. Uh, I, I thought he'd, he'd clung on, but it was really, really impressive from King Gold. Great effort from Spycatcher. I loved the performance from St. Lawrence, and I think there is a massive group one in this horse going forward. It was a good day for Archie Watson. He'd won with Brave Emperor. I absolutely loved that little horse. Um, he was given a superb ride by Luke Morris from the front, and he's given his connections some great spins. He's won a group race in Germany, listed race in France, now a group three race in France as well, and he's been placed in group company in Sweden. And he took him to Royal Ascot as well. Didn't do anything there, but they got a, a day out with him. What a wonderful little horse to own. That's He's a joy to own, and they must be very, very proud of him. But a terrific day for Archie in, in that they come away with a, a group one third with St. Lawrence. And I'd be fairly adamant in an open year for Sprint Company where Highfield Princess probably won't turn up on Champions Day, if they decide to go back to the Breeders' Cup, which I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Um, but let's say that's the case. Let's say Highfield Princess doesn't go. Uh, in an open year for sprinting, back to Ascot over the Wokingham trip, let's go with uh, St. Lawrence on Champions Day. Massive chance. Obviously, his his running style maybe didn't quite suit French racing. Obviously, they, they tend to go a little bit slower than, than English horses, the way the races are run. So you'll probably quickening from two furlongs out rather than going a very fast gallop from start to finish so his running style was probably hindered it slightly in in france on the weekend but like you say if if he goes to ascot and they they go hard up front we know we know a lot of horses can finish very strong at ascot so it should play into his strengths and i would i would agree with you em i think he's got every chance of picking up a big one let's go i'm sure that well i saw it on, on social media loads of people were really disappointed in our power there was Plenty of people saying beforehand, this is one of the weakest group ones you'll ever see. If he's going to win one, it's got to be this. But it's not the Curra. It's not Ireland. Take him back to Ireland, yeah. and he'll go real close for you. He likes Barry's tea, doesn't he? <laughs> and a few potatoes! Yeah. He likes a bag of potatoes and Barry's tea, I'm afraid. <laughs> what is it true, Emmett? You've got to get the... Is it the cheese and onion ones, or...? Oh, yeah. But you have to get that flavour, don't you? Oh, that is a rule. Yeah. I believe if you're applying for Irish citizenship, it's a question. Which flavour Tato must you buy? Salt and vinegar, uh, smoky bacon, cheese and onion. And if you don't get the cheese and onion question right, you are hauled off and yeah. straight out of the country. Fair point. Fair point. Rules are rules. Don't break them. Yeah, we don't make the rules. Yeah. Dems the rules. Like the jockeys have to follow the rules for the whip rules. Uh, we won't tell rules. you the rules. You should know you have to pick cheese and onion. Yeah, imagine if that actually did start appearing on uh, Irish citizenship citizenship applications. What has happened to my voice today? Jesus Christ. Um, the final question. <laughs> Which flavour potato? <laughs> Should you buy? <laughs> so, some poor fella who's just come over, like dreaming of living in the Emerald Isle, going, huh? Um, all right, who was your standout performer from the last few days? Paddington. Yeah. He's our boy, and he we're sat, we've got to stay by him now. I mean, strike him while the iron's hot. Keep kicking with him. He's he's done nothing wrong, and he's um he's just rock solid, and he he's he's a mate you'd want to go to war with. Don't complicate your mind. Paddington just wins everything. It's an easy game. He wins the Jumont International. He wins the Irish Champion Stakes. He'll win the bloody arc if they run him. 
and he'll win the Breeders' Cup Classic. Let's go! We don't ask for much, Aidan O'Brien. You're going to retire him at the end of the year anyway. So just run him in everything. Let's go. Indeed. Uh, and on that bombshell, we are done. Another reminder of our competition with YorkRacecourse.co.uk celebrating the return of the Skybet Ebor Festival. We want to send you and a friend to Coolmore Nunthorpe Day on Friday, the 25th of August. There are three chances for you to win a pair of county stand badges. They normally cost £75. You can win them right here on the Final Front Podcast. And one of our three winners will also get the gravy train bonus of a £50 digital one-for-all gift card. To enter, all you have to do is take a screenshot of you subscribed or following the Final Furlong Podcast on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever it is you listen to us, send us a screenshot on X, tweet us on X, on Twitter, at Radio Emish, at Final Furlong Pod. Uh, you can DM us on Facebook or Instagram, and you can also enter via email if you're not on social media or if you just prefer to enter by email. One of our winners will come through an email entry, and that's all one word, radioemmet at gmail.com, radioemmet at gmail.com. Send us your screenshot. If you subscribe to the Final Furlong Podcast, you've got three chances to get your hands on county stand badges for Coolmore Nunthorpe Day on Friday, the 25th of August, courtesy of ourselves and yorkracecourse.co.uk. And one of you, lucky three, will also get that gravy train bonus of a £50 one-for-all gift card. Enter now. Best of luck. Louis, many thanks for your company today. Looking forward to catching up with you again next week. Yeah, thanks very much. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Martin and, and Paul Struthers have to say on, on what's going yeah, on. I think, I think you're going to enjoy it. And um, there's a saying in Ireland when it comes to driving, particularly after an incident. Keep it between the ditches. It sounds like there's a lot of sense behind that. A wise Irishman has stated that, hasn't he? <laughs> Listen, I'm glad you're okay. Um, the car might not be, but I'm glad you're okay. That's the most important thing. And I don't know how... I was listening to that show on TalkSport 2. You didn't. You sounded perfectly fine. Uh, I don't know how you were, because I was in an absolute state when it happened to me a few years ago. Listen, be safe, be well. God bless the week. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you for listening. Really hope you've enjoyed this show. I really hope you enjoyed the next show as well. It's an important one. Make sure you give it a listen and share it around. Share it on WhatsApp. Share it on the Tweet Machine. Share it on Facebook. Share it with your enemies. Everybody uh, share that episode. Uh, and this one as well, for that matter. Really hope you've enjoyed it. Um, be safe, be well, look after yourself and each other. God bless.